hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. May God bless to our understanding this reading from his holy word. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that you would be pleased through the folly of what I preach, even Christ crucified, to encourage your people and call those people who are not your people, your people. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, I came across an article uh, that was entitled, How the Cross Taunts Isis. It was written by Robert Barron. The article made an immediate impact on me. Uh, it encouraged me. It emboldened my faith. So much so that I wanted to share a couple of Robert Barron's thoughts with you. And I felt it would be most appropriately shared on Easter Sunday as our thoughts are already engaged by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Does everyone know who ISIS is? ISIS is a Muslim terrorist organization that is actively trying to usher in an Islamic uh, version of the apocalypse. They are making inroads all over the Middle East and also in some countries in Africa. This idea of the cross taunting, even mocking ISIS is important because ISIS has been murdering Christians, burning churches, and taking the children of Christians to make them slaves. I'm sure many of you will have heard about uh, what happened on February 15th. ISIS released a video filmed on the shores of a beach, a deserted beach in northern Libya. And in this video, 21 Egyptian Christians were brutally beheaded uh, by massed ISIS fighters. And the message of this video that was released is entitled, A Message in Blood to the Nation of the Cross. I've not viewed this video uh, although I'm, it's out on the internet, I want to honor those Christians who were beheaded. Um, so I just can't bring myself to watch it. And, and then secondly, I just don't want those images uh, imprinted on my soul. Um, although I know that there are many who believe that it's important for us to view this, to see what evil looks like. 
It's interesting how ISIS chose the title to this horrific video, or how they chose to title it. Apparently, the nation of the cross is not a reference to any nation, but to Christianity in general. And what is most interesting to me is that they use the cross to identify Christians. Have you thought much about the cross beyond it being the instrument by which Jesus was put to death? It universally, the cross universally uh, uh, identifies Christianity today. And it's generally a symbol of God's love and grace. But the cross had a much different meaning prior to Christ being nailed upon it. Robert Barron rightly observed that the cross was a brutal and very effective sign of Roman power. It was used to punish enemies of the Roman Empire. Anybody who rebelled against Rome was hung, hung on a cross in a very prominent location so that all who were living around could not help but see the body impaled upon the cross. The cross was so feared because it was such a horrific way to die. It was not just that nails were driven through your hands and your feet as you were uh, pinned to the cross. The worst part was that you really couldn't breathe real well. Um, and the only way that you could gra gasp or catch some breath was to push up from your feet that are on these nails uh, and push up to expand your lungs and gather some air. Um, and so, um, if you pushed up to gather air, the pain was excruciating. If you hung there and did not push up, the lack of oxygen was terrifying. And um, even though you could not get as much oxygen as you needed, even if you didn't push up, um, you still got just enough oxygen to live for hours uh, on the cross. And every second of those many hours was intense pain and agony. It's fascinating that such an instrument has become the most beloved symbol in all humanity. And at the same time, ISIS has illustrated, uh, illustrated for us that it's also one of the most hated symbols today. Not because of the brutality of the cross, but it's hated because it's a symbol of God's grace given exclusively through Jesus Christ. In our text, verse 18 says, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. And then in verse 20, the Apostle Paul challenges those who would call the word of the cross folly. He calls them out. He says, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the, the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? In other words... Paul is saying that all who believe the word of the cross to be folly, that they are foolish. 
No matter how smart, no matter how educated, no matter how credentialed these people may be. And Christians, instead of shrinking back in the face of the world's taunting ridicule, God calls us to preach the very thing for which we are mocked. Look at verse 21. It says, It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Verse 23 says, We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, folly to Gentiles. God would would fail marketing 101. (laughs) You'd think that He would make the centerpiece of His message to mankind something that would be positive and uplifting. That that it would be attractive to the world's opinion makers. But no. What God does is He goes in the opposite direction. The centerpiece of His message to mankind is Christ crucified. Now, if the Christian message of Christ crucified meant only that a person who called himself the Messiah was crucified and buried, and that was it, well, then no one would be mocking the Christian message or thinking it to be folly. Um, Because if he wasn't raised from the dead, uh, this message of the cross uh, would have long since passed from history and completely forgotten. But of course, the message of Christ crucified is also the message of Christ resurrected from the grave. And because the crucified Christ rose from the grave, um, as the Lord of glory, the message of, of the cross mocks all those who reject it. Again, verse 18. For the word of the cross is fooly, foolish or folly to those who are perishing. It taunts those degenerate ISIS fighters who beheaded those 21 Egyptian Christians. Articles I've read about the beheadings um, noted that the Christians in the video were not begging for their lives. But rather, they were saying, Jesus Christ, or Jesus is Lord, only moments before they were brutally murdered. Frankly, I'm, I'm a bit surprised that ISIS released this video with these 21 Christians testifying to their faith in Christ with their last breaths. Jesus, through those 21 Christians who were beheaded, is mocking ISIS. And through those 21 Christians, He's mocking all who reject Him. Mocking all who reject the Word of the Cross. Because those 21 Christians were saying, we're not afraid of death because we know that we have life after death. We know that we have a Savior who has taken the sting of death. We know that we have a Savior who has promised to see us the very moment that we close our eyes in death and we see Him. 
these 21 uh, Christians by mouthing Jesus for a Lord is Lord, were in effect saying, death doesn't scare us. Jesus has conquered death. They were saying that they were convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any, um, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate them from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. In short, they were saying, Jesus lives, so will I. If it's all about the resurrection of Christ, then it raises the question, why is the cross important? If we live because of His resurrection, what's the importance of the cross? Why is the central message Christ crucified? For instance, what if Christ had died by accident? Like maybe by being bit by a rattlesnake or something, and yet was raised from the dead. Could we expect to have eternal life simply because Jesus rose from the dead? No. We could not have eternal life. We could not even have a relationship with God. The cross is absolutely essential. The cross is essential because we are sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, None is righteous, no, not one. Everyone in this room knows this, even though I don't know everyone in this room. I, I know that you know this, because if you don't know this for yourself, you don't really know yourself. <laughs> in fact, I would imagine many of you um, here this morning have tremendous feelings of guilt and pain for wrongs you've done secretly or wrongs you've done to others. But as bad as those things might be, they pale in comparison to the ways we have dishonored God by loving ourselves more than Him. By trusting ourselves and our abilities while ignoring Him. By following our own desires rather than His. This amounts to us acting as if we despise God, even if we love Him. And I'm speaking of how Christians often treat God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so the ways in which we've dishonored God have earned for us death. And our sins have also earned for us condemnation from God. It is really quite terrifying when you think about it. We have just earned death because of our sins. We've also earned condemnation before God. It's terrifying because God is bound by His own righteous character to judge our sins justly. And He judges sin by pouring out His wrath upon uh, the one who commits them. And just a side note for you to ponder. If God did not exist, or if He did not punish wrongdoing after we die and face Him, could there really be any concept of justice in the world? For instance, if those ISIS fighters who beheaded these Christians lived a long and full life with, with lots of children and love and the family and stuff like that, and died without consequences for their action, either in this life 
or in the next? Could we say that there's justice anywhere in the world? But there is justice. Because God is judge. And we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and answer for what we've done while in the body, whether good or evil. And I'm quoting here 2 Corinthians 5.10. You know, we really don't have to think too hard about whether um, justice is in the world because God exists and He assures us that He is a just God and must punish every wrongdoing and every sin that a person commits. The good news for us is that God Himself has decreed a way to satisfy the demands of His justice without condemning the whole world to hell. Um, He has ordained a way for the love of God to deliver us from the wrath of God without compromising His justice in any way. The question is, how can He do this? These concepts of love and wrath or of mercy and justice are mutually exclusive. It seems as if God would have had to choose one or the other. But this is where God's wisdom is wiser than man's wisdom. It is this very wisdom of God that, that man calls folly or foolishness. God the Father put forth Jesus Christ, God the Son, to bear our sins and to suffer God's wrath. Jesus Christ, being sinless, was the perfect sacrifice. Jesus Christ, being the divine Son of God, who came and took on humanity, full, complete humanity, made His sacrifice to be of infinite value. See, this is not an either or. This is both. God is wholly just and He justifies the ungodly. He acquits the the ungodly. He says, your sins have been wiped out. Your past sins, present sins, future sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more. How can a just God do this? Well, this is the greatest news in the world. He did it through His Son. I'm almost finished here. But I want to quote four passages, four or five passages of Scripture just to uh, underscore that this is not something I'm making up, but this is that central message of the Gospel. This is the Word of the Cross. This is... Christ crucified. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 8.3, Sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for our sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. 1 Peter 2.24, Christ bore our sins in His body on the tree. 1 Peter 3.18 One of the first verses I memorized as a Christian. He died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. If we have been united with Him, Romans 6.5 
in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. You see, the most terrifying news in the world is that we have fallen under the condemnation of our Creator and He is bound by His own righteous character to to, uh, preserve the worth of His glory by pouring out His wrath on our sin. And then the best news of the world, and I'm quoting John Piper here, is that God has decreed a way of salvation which also upholds the worth of His glory. He has given His Son to die for sinners and to conquer their death by His own resurrection. question for you is, first of all, do you believe this? Secondly, do you trust the Savior that what He did on the cross was for you and that it was sufficient for you and that He rose from the grave for you and that you can have life in Him. This is that word of the cross that Paul was talking about. This is that word of the cross that the world um, counts as folly. This is the word of the cross that the Jews stumble over. But this is also, this word of the cross is also the word of salvation. Christians, the world indeed continues to, to conclude that this word of the cross is foolishness and folly. And by extension, we who believe it are foolish ourselves. This passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18-25, through 25, says, No, this is the wisdom of God. Christians, don't shrink back from the Gospel. Embrace it. Embrace the message of Christ crucified because this is the wisdom of God and the power of God for your salvation. For several days before I read that article that I referenced at the beginning, I was... I was tense inside when I had heard about this video. And I wanted to know, how can I help them? And how would I have felt if I were one of those who were on that beach? And it seems as if these Muslim extremists are are spreading like wildfire. And I'm wondering, why is the Gospel not spreading like wildfire? And it just raised a number of different questions. That article... And especially this passage from 1 Corinthians reminds me, and I hope it reminds you, that the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. That Christ indeed is the power of God and the wisdom of God. On this Resurrection Sunday, look to your Savior Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, even by addressing You in this prayer, 
We are declaring that You are the risen Lord, that death could not and did not contain You. And because You are the risen Lord, we know that You are also our Savior. And so we commit ourselves to You. We commit ourselves to all Your promises. We commit ourselves to follow You obediently. Help us to trust You and help us to proclaim this Word of the Cross even though it be treated foolishly, even though we be counted as foolish for saying it. But as we preach it, I pray that You would be pleased to save those who hear it. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen.